Once again, welcome to RSG on the road uh, at the Maui Invitational. And, and as I, I told you, um, throughout this process, I'm going to be uh, bringing, uh, you know, uh, the, the fam back together. You know, folks that you longtime listeners uh, have had a chance to, to hear, but some of you new folks will be getting a chance to get introduced to. Before I do that, uh, I want to remind everybody that we have incredible sponsors. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. Um, we have Aston Mahana uh, here at uh, Kahana Poly. Uh, they have incredible resorts. I mean, where I'm sitting right now here, where our remote office, remote studio is, uh, all these rooms have oceanfront views and full kitchens. It's like a home away from home in paradise. In paradise. I want to thank Brian Cox and his staff for everything that they've done here at Aston Mahana. Uh, they've been incredible. And also, uh, on our, all our callers are on the Bowman Medical Group. Uh, hotline Bowman Medical Group of Beverly Hills, where integrated healthcare specialists are committed to providing high-quality, accessible, and compassionate mental health care services. Contact Bowman Medical Group of Beverly Hills, California, for positive, courteous, and efficient mental health care services. If you haven't had a chance to uh, go to our YouTube page, Real Sports Guys, um, or uh, any of our platforms, Real Sports Guys, and catch that interview. Uh, with Dr. Philip Bowman, uh, who has just been uh, incredible uh, support, but he, he told some incredible stories about his time with the, uh, the Fighting Illini's, their 30-year anniversary uh, of their team that made that run to the Final Four. Uh, the team that I think probably reflects more of this Duke team than the, the Fab Five because of their ability to switch. Um, they had an incredible dunker, uh, Kenny Battle, in the same way that uh, we talk about Zion Williamson, who I had a chance to see up close and personal uh, last night. So we want to thank him for everything uh, he did. He also shared a story as the, the academic advisor for the Fab Five. He was up close and personal with them when he was uh, working on his uh, graduate school degree and then going to medical school. So if you haven't heard that one, listen to it. It's, it's straight fire. It's, it's the real RSG thing. But further ado, enough of this. Enough of this. For you folks who've been listening for a long time, y'all know this, this is one of the brightest minds in the game. And you know, he's been, he's got, you know, we're real sports guys, we got other jobs, but he's got another important job. He's mentoring, he's coaching. Uh, his team is a highly ranked team in the state of Wisconsin girls basketball team. So he's not only talking about, he's doing it. You know, we got my man, Marcus, the game changer, Marcus Flowers. Welcome back to the air, brother. How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. It's good to, to pull me back in, uh, get me back on the radio, man. I appreciate that. Got me back on the airwaves. So thanks, man. Man, it's crazy to Phil. You know, I, I was I had Phil on the other uh, 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 for a segment. Uh, who he did, you know, Phil. He always does an incredible job. And you know, usually you the point guard in the chair. So you know, I'm leading the point guard. He was kind of I like, look, man, I can play off the ball. I can play on the ball because you know, usually you're directing traffic. Uh, so it's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah. So you kind of like you like Zeke off the ball, and now I'm Joe taking the point. You know. Right, right, right. So I'm gonna <laughs> let you have it. You set me up, and I, I'm gonna deliver. Man, so what has it been like? I watched you, and we just talked a little bit off the air. I saw you when you first started working with this team in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, these young ladies at Madison Memorial High School. Um, I saw the way you were building it. In fact, one of my colleagues talked about his daughter, Dwayne Cooper. You may, he works with me at the campus. His daughter in your camp with your older uh, girls. And just you're building a – you talked about building a culture, but your culture appears to be seeping down into a youth movement in which people, when it comes to youth girl basketball, things like that, 
Spartans are kind of synonymous with that. How have you done it, man? Um, well, one, man, it's just trying to get it, just energizing people and getting people excited about, you know, having their daughters play basketball and then creating a space for that to happen in a way that's meaningful. Um, you know, fundamentals are being taught, but all these other things around just youth development, um, becoming a young adult, uh, be, being a young lady uh, and what that means. And not in the sense of like being a lady lady, but like being a female athlete and what that means and how you can break down barriers of what it means to be a girl. And, and we, we, we're really explicit about talking about those things. And, you know, it's one thing where we're getting to the point where we're starting to, it's starting to feed itself because we have older kids who have now gone through it. My senior class and my junior class, um, you know, I've kind of, you know, been talking this year. We're finally wall to wall with kids who have come through our youth program at the high school level. So, you know, those kids are, are juniors and seniors are mentoring our, our freshmen and sophomores who then turn around and work our camps in the summer and really kind of give that message back to the, to the younger kids. So that kids, one, are excited to come to our, our high school and play basketball, but also just excited about the game, excited about what it's teaching them, excited about what they get to learn from it, and, and also growing as basketball players. And so that's been the biggest piece of our culture. You know, we have a mission statement that, you know, our girls that we kind of really try and drive home with our girls, and it kind of is like, we call it our North Star to keep us focused on kind of what the purpose of this is. Um, and it's not just about winning games. Winning games is a byproduct of what we do. Um, but a big piece of what we do is uh, just building and, and instilling and, and being role models and trying to do something and give back for, to our community here on the west side of Madison. So it's been fun, man. It's been uh, – go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, one thing you want to say, I look at fish. But one thing people don't really understand, I don't, I don't think you even asked, I was going to ask you about this, but you have a role model in your house. Your, your mother played college basketball – at a, at a later age. I mean, most people are like your family's synonymous with basketball, but you you know, your mom probably had an impact. How, what kind of impact she have on you, you know, being able to play basketball later in her life? Well, it's just, you know, she was probably a, a, a woman who should have played in high school. Um, but given the time that she was growing up, those opportunities weren't as readily available. Um, there wasn't a culture um, that pushed or encouraged young female athletes to get out there and pick up a ball or put on some skates or, you know, pick up a hockey stick or whatever sport that they want to play. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff out there for young women. Um, and watching my mom kind of mentor us and help us grow up and, and raise us and, and get us through sports and athletics. And then once we got all kind of started to matriculate through and got toward the end of our high school career, she decided she was going to go back to school. And in doing that, she wanted to play. Um, and so she gave it a shot, and she was a starter at 40 on, you know, uh, uh, it wasn't a major level, but, you know, college basketball team, a local ju JUCO, um, and she was a starter on the team, um, which, you know, just, just speaks to the athletic ability she already had. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously she passed that along to us. Uh, but, you know, it, it's definitely something that inspires me every day to try and make sure that, you know, young women get an opportunity to, to pursue their, all of their talents, um, whether it be leadership, whether it be athletics, um, but they get to kind of explore who they can be fully in a very full and, and valuable way. Um, that's also just focused on them. It's, it's, it's centered on, on them and what they need. And that's really what's been the best part about this, this season is that I have some vets on the team and I can really start to let it be a player-led team 
um, and give them some responsibility for things. Um, obviously, we have our overarching, you know, values and, and the things that we believe in, but really it's been more about empowering them to like, this is your team. What is it going to be about? And you guys will, you guys are going to decide that just as much as I will. Like I'll run the program, but you guys, this is your team. And this team is only together for this year. So what is this team going to be about? And kind of watching them kind of take lead in that and take hold of that has been just, I mean, it's been amazing to watch them step up and, and really want that because they, they want to be great and they want to do great things. And they know in order for us to do that, we have to have a certain kind of culture. Well, you, you, you sometimes call me the Suge Knight without the anger management. You're the Gino Oriema without the anger, anger management. I saw you putting the game plan together. And I'm like, these folks don't know what they're about to get hit with. When I saw all them young players you had and your patience with letting that grow, I'm like, oh, they're about to, it's, it's about to be a tidal wave up here that folks are not ready for. So I appreciate everything that you're doing for the community. Uh, your name is definitely, you know, I think the Flowers name was already synonymous with Madison, but the work you're doing, and I know you've got some really good partners and folks who have helped volunteer and help you build that culture, whether it's coaching the camps and all the things you're doing. But, man, you, you're not – we don't only talk about it. The reason why I want to share this, we want, I want to show ways that we are about that life. We're not just talking on the air and, and challenging coaches and other folks about what they should do, but we actually walk in those things ourselves. So that gives us the kind of thing we can be critical uh, of other folks who are not doing it. So I appreciate you doing that. You listen to RSG uh, on the road here at Maui uh, from the remote studios in uh, Ahana, uh, uh, Aston uh, Mahana here in uh, Ka'ana Pali. I got to get it right. I can't go high on it. I'm learning, uh, I'm learning all the languages. Uh, we, on the Bowman Medical uh, Group uh, uh, hotline, I got my man, Game Changer, uh, Marcus Flowers, who is, you know, I say is one of the best basketball minds I, I've ever been around. And you can already hear that from what he's done with his own program. But getting this, you, Marcus, you can't see me. I got to put the hat on because I'm in Maui and I'm putting the hat on. So you see the video, I'm putting the hat on to get in it because look, man, you started from the beginning with me in the studio where nobody was paying attention to us. We were just out here yelling. Maybe people were talking to us. We didn't know what was going on. I remember one time a kid called from New York. No, neither one of us knew how to answer the phone. I uh, wanted to talk about the Giants. And now we are here in Maui. I say we because your spirit is with me. And uh, it's been crazy, brother. It's been crazy that we're here at this point. Yeah, man, this is it's awesome that you, you've kind of grown this and kept it growing. And, you know, I know I've had to take a step back just because, you know, I got my own kids and then I'm running a program. So I just don't have the bandwidth to be able to kind of commit to it the way I was committed to it before, man. But I'm just it's just a blessing to kind of see you continue to keep it rolling and keep it growing, man. And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome, man. And to be in Maui and to see your, the videos that you're posting, man, I'm jealous. <laughs> no hey, lie, I'm jealous. <laughs> I thought about I said I said on the side, Jay Billis and, and Bill Walton, a couple seats down from me, and I'm thinking, if the game changes in the building, the kind of analysis we would be doing, you know, we might have a microphone in front of us. It's going to happen, man. I'm going to find a way to do it because you need to do it. But until then, I'm just going to tap into your wisdom and your vision. As you know, it's the, Duke, uh, it's the Duke Road Show. A lot of people have been talking about Duke. They're talking about the Dukey craze and everything else. Just in general, what's been your impression with this team uh, watching them? So, I mean, like, the, you got the three headliners with Reddish, uh, Barrett, and Williamson. Um, but they have some other good players in Bolden and Jones. Um, they are uh, going to be a tough team as they continue to develop. It's going to be interesting to see 
how Coach K continues to develop the 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 the, the systems and, and the identity of this team over time. Uh, right now, they're kind of overwhelming everybody with just sheer talent. Um, they're just that much more talented than a lot of teams. It'll be interesting to see how they continue to develop and then like leverage that talent and, and maximize it. And that's what you know you hope Coach K can figure out. Um, and there have been times where Coach K hasn't maximized and leveraged his talent because he, he can be too much of a, a – uh, he can get too much caught up in his own philosophies and not be flexible enough. Um, and those are sometimes the situations where we see his teams get knocked out early in the tournament. But with this group, there's so much talent that um, I just can't see – there are lots of ways you can make this team work, and it's going to be interesting to see how, how he does it because he's at, he has several multidimensional players. Um, the one that stands out to me the most is Zion. Like, I yeah. think he's something we've never seen before. Um, and I think in the same way Chris Webber and Juwan Howard on the Fab Five teams mm-hmm. were, like, modern, like, 2018 power forwards, right? Could stretch yeah, the floor, could handle the ball, could make decisions with the ball, uh, could guard multiple positions. Zion may be something that, we just and, and who knows if there's ever going to be a because phys, his physical profile is so unique and so different. Um, I don't know if we'll see something like him again physically, um, but just his style of play and what he can do, he might open the door for other guys who have a similar body type. I don't think you're going to have uh, a guy with his body with a 40 inch vertical. I think that makes him completely unique. But being as strong as he is, as young as he is, because you know, you know, they list him at 285. Yeah. Um, he's a freshman in high uh, college, and you know everybody goes to college and you get on a weight program and you're gonna put on twenty to twenty five pounds of grown man muscle um between that eighteen and that year that age of eighteen and twenty two everybody gets bigger by twenty to thirty five pounds. you know what I mean and so like imagine this young man at, at three something because <laughs> that's what you're looking at if he gets any bigger he's he's at three something with that level of That's explosiveness right. and still having uh, some floor games, some ball handling skills, some passing skills, um, you know, he could go into a situation where he's playing a five and, and he'll, he'll play some five. I think eventually you'll see him playing five at the collegiate level. But even as a pro, you can see him playing five in a, in a five-out system and not losing a whole lot offensively or defensively um, and being just a nightmare matchup for bigger players, but being able to cover bigger players and also switch out on the guards. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops physically, because I think his physical profile is going to determine kind of what happens to him at the next level. Yeah. What's, what's crazy about him. And uh, I talked to coach K and asked some questions. Uh, you know, he played point guard, I think up until about ninth grade. And when you watch him, his ability to handle the ball, and he's got a nice, soft J. And so, I mean, if you thought about Draymond Green with a really good J, but with, um, I think, better, smoother point guard skills, it's, it's one of those weird dynamics when you watch him. One of the things I did notice about him in these two games, and I asked about it, was um, how he's dealing with the frustration. Because as you play against more veteran teams or teams that know how to play, a, a kid like that, they're going to try and take away his space from the time he crosses, gets across half court He's going to have somebody in his body uh, and somebody who knows how to do it. And, and talk to him about how do they, you know, help him transition through that frustration. If you notice, he's been sitting down early. 
couple fouls. He had a, he had a, a third foul about, you know, way away from the hoop, showing some frustration, but then he settled down. And so, like you said, it's, it's also about how he's going to deal as he gets to greater competition where people have seen the Clippings, but some of these older guys are not about to just be out here and let him just have his way. So it was been interesting. The other person I was really intrigued by, and I love to be at a, you know, uh, Trey Jones, just, you know, his brother Tyus is a little bit different, but, you know, Coach K talked about position as basketball, but it was clear yesterday that Trey's a, a floor general in a way. I, I was impressed up close. At first, like you said, the three headliners, and I, you know, last time on a, a podcast we had, I almost called him the pimp. But when I watched him early on, this is a guy who I can see just from his demeanor being the glue, being this kind of guy that's kind of settled in, been around this before because of his brother. What's your, your impression of, of him? Well, you need you need one anytime you have like mega talents, you need other players who are willing to step in and fill in the gaps, and then that's where you start to get the that like that strong core of your team. And he's one of those players who can fill in the gaps um, and do multiple things. He can handle the ball, like when Barrett, you know, when you want to move Barrett off the ball, he can handle the ball. He can take the lead. He can also kind of be the guy who makes sure that everybody's getting fed. Like you need a chef on the court, right? You need a guy that's cooking the meals, but then you need a waiter, right, to make sure that everybody's getting a plate. And that's his job is to make sure that everybody's getting their plate, but then he can slide over and play a different role and get some, you know, he can, he can put some food away too. You know, he can, he can eat too. And so that's a, that's a really valuable thing for him. You know, whatever they're doing up there in that, in that house, they're they raising point guards. You know what I mean? Like they they figured out how to raise a point guard, and not and not and not like the new age point guard that is like a shoot first cat looking for theirs, but like a true in the sense of a floor general. When you think of a point guard, a true point guard is what you know his brother is, um, but he also is as well. um, Who's gonna run your team? uh, Who's gonna have his mind on not only his offense but everybody else's offense on the court? And so I think you need a guy like that when you have such talented players, because it's hard when one of those guys is controlling the flow because then they're thinking about their yeah. scoring and you want them to score as a coach. And so having somebody else who can run the show still generate some offense on their own so that they have to be respected, but also they, don't, they, they understand their role and they also know how to set up others. That's big because you talked about Zion and, you know, dealing with that frustration for him and, and Barrett and Reddish they're going to start to see defensive schemes that they've never seen before at the high school level and really good players executing those schemes. And it's going to get frustrating. Um, it always does for young players. Um, the key for them is learning how to score and get easy baskets away from the ball. And when you have a, a Trey Jones, you can, they can get those baskets easier because they have a facilitator to create those opportunities. And that's going to be a pressure release for the rest of those guys as they feel like, ah, man, I'm not getting shots or I'm not getting a chance to create. But they can get into the game by ball moving off the ball, you know, cuts, finding those easy buckets here or there. And when you have a setup guy to do that, it releases some of that pressure, which helps those other guys stay level, stay even, and continue to play within what you're trying to do offensively. Um, And that's where he's going to have a really major role is being that pressure release for Zion, being that pressure release for Reddish, being that pressure release for Barrett and helping them get a few easy buckets just by them cutting. He sets them up. They get a dish. They get a two. 
now they kind of get, you know, everybody, when you when you get a bucket, you just get your swag just goes up a little bit. You just feel like now, okay, I'm in the game. I'm here. Let's go now. And so sometimes you create that on your own, but then sometimes you need somebody to create that for you, especially when you're seeing things that maybe you've never seen before, which is going to be an adjustment for all of those guys, particularly once they get into the ACC season, um, when coaches are going to start to lock in on preparing for them a little bit more, that's when Trey Jones is really going to show his value. You know, you mentioned uh, Juwan and you mentioned Chris. Is it too early to make these Fab Five comparisons between this team? And I, I know people are asking Jalen about whether or not, you know, Zion would start on the Fab Five. But is it too early to make these kind of comparisons? And can you, given the context of the teams? Yeah, I think it is too early. And it's just a very different type of situation now. Um, one, I mean, there ain't five of them. Let's start there. Start five of them. You know what I mean? Like they, they, That's what I was, I was I mean, like, we can't be that lazy. I mean, you know, that's always our, our big critique of, of the media in general is that sometimes we create these lazy narratives. Um, but they're, they're not the five fives, and that's okay. It's not disparaging them at all. There's something different, and there's something new, and we need to embrace that, right, and not feel like we need to, re, you know, compare them to something that's happened before. Um, they some like that, but it's a very different situation. And so I think those comparisons are a little premature um, and just off and kind of lazy and uh, unimaginative. And I think we can do a better job of, of figuring out, like, who is this team really? Because, you know, I look at Zion Williamson, I see Larry Johnson. Um, I look at yes, Cam Reddish, and I see a little bit of Rip Hamilton in his game, a young Rip. Um, I look at – R.J. Barrett, and I see. I think if T. Mac would have went to college, that's what he would have looked like, right? So I think yeah. they're very different player types and a very different type of team. Um, so I, I, you know, you know me, man. I'm not, I'm not into like the, the weak narratives that the media <laughs> tries to uh, drop out there. It's easy, it's the low hanging fruit, but I don't think there's a whole lot of merit to it yet. Um, and I don't know what would make it worse having some merit or worth a conversation. Um, but that's where I'm at with the Fat Five comparisons. It's just something to talk about. And you know me. I don't, I don't, I don't like, the, I don't, I don't like that, that, that whole vibe of the media, you know, the 24-hour news cycle where they got to just have something to talk about. And so they make up something that seems like it's a good story, but it ain't. <laughs> that's how we get down, y'all. It's RSG, baby. Uh, on the road. F. Myra, y'all getting that vintage game changer right now. That's like Snoop being in the booth right now, y'all. This, like, this is like Dre was on the stuff and Snoop was in the booth dropping it right there. You know, it, this is where you, you were there. You're hearing it right now. We're at the remote studios here at the Aston Mahana uh, on the Bowman Medical Group hotline. I got my man, the game changer, Marcus uh, Flowers, man. He's, he's killing it. You know, we got the championship game coming up here. Uh, in a little bit, I'm about to go over to the arena and, and watch it uh, between uh, the Zags and Duke. And Mark Few is putting together what I would say is a name brand program. He's, he's, he might be quite blue trip here close. Man, have you had a chance to see Rui, Rui, Rui? This kid hit 24. He was 10 of 16 um, uh, against Arizona last night. Um, a special player. Have you had a chance to see Rui uh, play? Yeah, so I saw I was I, I was put on the Rui last year, and I ho I was hoping he would have come out in the draft yeah. last year because uh, I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, 
and he would have fallen in that okay. range where the Bucks were drafting, um, kind of around that 18, 19, 20 range if he would have come out in this year's draft. I loved his game last year. Um, he's long. He's athletic. He can put it on the ground. He, got, he can score inside. He can slash. Um, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to shoot up draft boards. Um, I think he, he will be a player that is going to be kind of the modern NBA wing that everybody's looking for. Um, I like to call him, you know, Otto Porter, you know, from the Wizards, former Hoya, Otto Porter with a, with a, with a more, uh, a more fiery motor. <laughs> um, yeah. Yep. I think he has a similar, he can be a very efficient score, um, at the next level because he won't have to do so much. Um, he'll, he'll be a guy who will need to play off of others. So if you have some other cornerstones, he's a great like third, fourth guy. And that's what. I think he, if, he's your, if, if he develops into what you want him to be and he's your third or fourth guy, then you got a really good team. And he can be that on a championship team. Um, and he, and it, it wouldn't take away from who he is as a player. Like some guys, in order to be that third or fourth guy, they're going to have to cut off a big part of their game. Carmelo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, uh, hey, you know, you know, you know me and Melo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I called know, that man. one in 2008. I, I called that one in 2008. <laughs> Jeff Thompson's office. I called that one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, Hachimura is going to be a good player. Um, and Mark Few has done a great job. And again, like, it's one of those – he's one guy that, as I was building my program, I tried to look at and, like, okay, so what what is it that he does that helps – that has helped him kind of grow that program? And a big piece for him is just knowing who he is knowing who they are, knowing what they want to be. They mm-hmm. get certain types of guys there. Um, and I think sometimes that's, that's the best thing you can do as a coach is just knowing who do you need to get and who can you get and going after those players instead of just going after the guys that everybody else is going after because they have the ranking, they have the pedigree, they went to this high school or played for this high school coach. Like, they find diamonds in the rough all the time. Um, uh, Hachimura is a perfect example. Like, this is a dude that they they found a black dude in Japan. <laughs> That's right. A black dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like how, how, Sway? Origin. I was like, you found a brother in Japan. <laughs> yeah. Is this like, like how, Sway? That's scout. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's going to stand out. He probably, you know, the biggest thing walking around yeah. over there. <laughs> you see a six foot eight brother. Walking around Japan, he probably stands out. But I'm just just the just the fact that they're going over there looking for players is just. But that's how they do. I mean, they hit Australia, they hit Europe. You know, now they're in Asia looking for players, which is just wild. But that's their style, that's their brand, and they know who they are and they stay on brand. And sometimes that's the that's the that's the easiest thing to do, and sometimes the easiest thing not to do is to stay on brand. And, and few and Gonzaga is very good at that, especially how they recruit and how they acquire talent. Yeah, and they had two other players that showed up big against Arizona. Uh, Zach Norville had 20 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, and Josh Perkins had 18 points and, and nine assists uh, against the Zags, um, rounding out that backcourt. How do you think they fare against Duke? Is this a team you think uh, can give Duke that, that first L? I think they can, um, just because it's a more veteran group. And, you know, young guys, um, the talent margin isn't that big. Duke is obviously going to be the more talented team. But when you start to equate and and think about 
not only just talent, but also uh, scheme, playing together, chemistry, uh, being able to kind of adjust on the fly, do some different things from a game plan perspective. The now will go that, – that kind of levels the playing field for the more experienced team because they're going to be able to adjust. They're going to be able to get on the same page with certain coverages and, and certain uh, adjustments offensively quicker and more efficiently and more effectively than the younger group will. Um, and I think that will give Gonzaga a fighting chance against some super talented dudes. Now, the thing about having the super talented guys on your team, and this is something that as a coach I always kind of pay attention to, is they're going to do stuff that you can't scheme against. Um, And that's always uh, where the scale can get tipped, is if you have more guys who can do stuff that the other coach just can't do anything about, you you got the best chance of winning the game. So Duke definitely has that. But if they lost this game, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think it would ultimately come down to uh, the more veteran Gonzaga team being able to make some key adjustments throughout the game that will create an 8-0 run or, a, you know, a 10-2 run um, at the right time and give them a lead that then they don't give back. Um, and I think that's, that's what it'll take in this game. Um, but if one of those young guys goes off, Mark Few going to be sitting over there just shaking his head because any of those three guys can go off and have a crazy game that you could – it's one of those situations where they always say great offense beats great defense. Um, and you could just be having a situation right. where this dude is doing stuff that we're guarding it fine. He's just making shots that uh, we're defending him, but he's still making them. So I, that, I know I, you I, coached I think, a long think, time. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you, you hit down the point. You coached a long time. One of the things, so yesterday, Sean Miller comes in. I'm looking at the, uh, the, the box score, and this says something back to what you said about Mark Few. Um, Arizona was up at the half, 45-37, but Arizona had one assist. That tells you something. At the end of the game, they ended the game with only three assists. Like, they, they basically shut off ball rotation, Everything. I mean, we talk about what they do in Gonzaga. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how do you hold a team to three assists? I mean, that's some that's some hidden stat type stuff, man. Uh, yeah, it that, is. That you, it that, is. That, Anytime that, you do something like that, they could, the other team has to help you a little bit, right? So when you yeah. when you and maybe this is something that Mark, I didn't get the chance to watch that particular game, so I don't know that necessarily the the strategic points that, that were broken down in that game. But I will say that what probably happened was Mark Few saw some tendencies within certain players on that team and said, you know what, if we can, you know, take away these passes, right, this guy's going to shoot the ball. This guy's going to try to go one-on-one, and he's going to try to create, and he's going to have some success, but he's not going to be successful enough and efficient enough to beat us by himself. You know what I mean? And that's sometimes, as a yeah. coach, you kind of have to say, okay, who's going to beat us? Right? How are they going to be like? What shots are we going to be okay with them taking? Right? What kind of offense are we going to be okay with them giving? Uh, we we're going to defensively we're going to be okay giving up, right? And it's something we, we always talk about with our team is that like, yo, if they take a pull up, you know, I always tell my girls like we close out, we make sure they don't get get an open three, and then if they put it on the ground, we got to make sure we beat them back to the paint, and then if they, if you got if we got a kid hitting pull up twos, God bless her. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, hey, yo, we just going to have to live with that. You know what I mean? Like, God bless her. Let her do her thing. 
if we find a girl that's going to hit pull up two, right. you know, then let her live. You know, we're going to let her live, let her eat. Um, it's going to be her night because if she's going to hit them well enough, one, she's got to keep hitting them, and two, she's got to hit them at a good enough percentage where it's going to be an efficient play. And so that's kind of how right. we go about that. And I'm sure there was something within what Mark Few saw that said, hey, if we take away a couple of these things, we can cut off their ball movement. And if we cut off their ball movement, we cut off that, that gift giving, which is that assisting, um, and, and them being able to create baskets with the pass and forcing them to create everything off the bounce. You know what I mean? Like, let's force them to create everything off the dribble. Um, let's not give them, you know, flow. Let's not give them ball movement. Let's jam up the player movement. You know, people talk about the NBA and the rise in point scoring in the league. And a lot of that is because now guys can move freely. Like, when you can't jam a cutter and that ball can move, there's nothing faster than the basketball through the air on the court. Um, you know, and so when that ball gets to moving, even the best defense is going to be at a disadvantage because – the offense knows where they're going, and if they're working in concert the way they need to, it's going to be tough for even the best defenses to, to guard um, when the ball gets moving and bodies are moving at a high speed. Uh, and so when you can choke that off and when you have an offensive system that may lend itself to certain areas being choked off, you get a game where, you know, you can, you can, get, you can force a team into a very few assists. That team also has to not recognize it and not adjust and if they don't adjust and keep just kind of going with – and, again, the the one kid, the point guard, I just saw the highlights, but the one kid seemed like he got hot in the first half, the, uh, the little point guard for Arizona. Seemed like he got hot in the first half, and sometimes yeah, that can be fool's gold, right? Sometimes that can be fool's gold because yes. you know, as a, 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 as a coach, you know when your guys are getting buckets in a way that they don't normally get them or they're getting them in a way that's unsustainable, you know? And so yeah. I don't know if Sean Miller could, could look at that and be like, yo – yeah, he's putting in points, but he's not going to keep that up. <laughs> he just, You know what I mean? Because kids yeah. are who they are. And, you know, they might have a good yeah. game. They might have a good half. But rarely the percentages are the percentages for a reason. And most of the time, folks is going to fall back to that percentage. It may not happen in that same game, but it's going to happen eventually um, that they're going to regress to who they are. Um, and so I think that was a big piece of it. Um, you know, you again, when you hold the team to a situ- in a situation like that, to a certain stat like that, particularly with assists, they're going to help – they're helping you out. You know, there may be some things that you're taking away, but they're also not adjusting. Um, and they're not trying to get anything – I, you know, they try not to get anything else other than what you're giving them, and they're taking the candy. Uh, you listen to RSG on the road uh, here from our remote studios at Aston Mahana uh, on the uh, Bowman Medical Group hotline. I have my man, the game changer. Uh, this has just been an incredible run. We bring it back. This is one of the originals, right? The original member uh, of the game. We started out with me, who took the text from me uh, when I was flying to LA. He said he was in. Um, uh, you, you, if you, for those of you who haven't heard him, you're getting a treat this morning. Uh, this next segment I call unsigned hype. You know, one of the things about coming to an event like this, you see some people that you quite didn't know. Now you may know them because you, 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 you are more in the game probably than than I am, but. There's a young man named Jalen Harper that plays for Auburn. It's just giving people the business. Can't be taller than five, seven, five, eight, ten, five, nine, five, ten. Actually, in the game before, came down the middle of the lane and dunked on the whole team. But he was going at Duke. I mean, he was not going. He wasn't going down. And in his backcourt, mate Bryce Brown, Auburn got a backcourt that might be to me, 
like the 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 most uh, uh, less known or uh, uh, non-known backcourt uh, 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 in the country. I'm not familiar if you you're familiar with uh, uh, Jalen Harper, but man, this guy can put. He got straight buckets and is highly competitive. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with him, but what I will say is is that the modern game and with everybody like trying to get bigger guards, you're going to have some five, eight, five, nine guys who break through because nobody's quick enough to stay in front of them because everybody's trying to get six, four, six, five guys to play point guard. You know what I mean? To play the guard spot, mm -hmm. even six, two guys. And so quick Isaiah Thomas kind of in that mold kind of guys are going to be able to have some success because everybody's rolling out and trying to get longer and bigger. Um, on the perimeter particularly. And so you're going to have guys like that that are going to give people fits because the other roster don't have nobody who can match up, you know? And if you don't yeah. have a matchup for a guy like that, you're going to be playing disadvantaged basketball all day because he's going to be constantly breaking you down, beating the first guy, getting in the getting in the box, getting in the paint, drawing another guy. And now that ball starts moving out. And now, like, everybody's trying to recover. Everybody's trying to recover. And you're in constant recovery. And so that's a – I could see how a player of that caliber, uh, uh, that, that type of player, could be causing people fits in a tournament situation because you don't get to scout very well. You know, your scout's limited um, with what you got. Everybody's only played a couple of games. And you're kind of limited by your personnel in general when you got a guy that, that, that is that small. Usually that guy is playing because he is lightning quick, right? You don't get slow 5'9 guys making it <laughs> at the high major level. So – you know, if you got a five foot nine dude, he out there because he is a blur. And so in that situation, you got to find somebody who's quick enough to stick with him um, laterally and, and north and south. Um, and so it, it, there aren't a lot of guys who have the physical tools to be able to hang with a guy who is that quick at that size. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, and obviously uh, look at these age groups, uh, Jalen Rose was, uh, very impactful on, on when kids were being named because this other guy I'm gonna talk about who's at the other end of the spectrum is tall. Is called his name is Jalen McDaniel's, six ten, plays for San Diego State from Riverside, California. When he talk, he remind you of Snoop. This kid, I just want to give you some insight, game changer. Twenty six points. He was nine for fourteen from the field, three for five from three point range. He had a little poor man's KD in his game. I mean, the kid went off, 6'10", skinny handles, man. This is a guy, man, if you get a chance, flows like – flow. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but, uh, you know, you know, San Diego State took a, a drum in the game before, but he went to work on Xavier like nobody's business. Xavier coach was so frustrated uh, in the press conference. Uh, you know, I thought I had to go up and give him a hug. <laughs> so, again – I haven't seen this young man play, but what I will say is San Diego State is one of those schools that does stay on brand. And this is the type of guy that they always kind of find. Like, they just graduated a kid who was similar. I don't know if he graduated or he went or he came out early, but Malik Pope. Um, he was kind of supposed to be a very similar body type, 6'11", skinny, um, had some handle, had some shooting, um, some perimeter skills. He didn't quite have the motor and the work ethic to kind of maximize his potential but he kind of popped up on draft radars after his sophomore season. Um, San Diego State does a very good job. They obviously are in a talent-rich state in California, but they do a very good job of finding guys who fit that profile, right? Those, those wings, 
right, that, that San Diego State is always producing, like, these mid-major wings who have potential to be, you know, high producers at the next level. And it sounds like this kid, McDaniels, is probably falling into that, into that, uh, that mold just as, you know, Pope did and Kawhi did before That's him. Right. That's right. Well, hey, I, you know, he is – this kid, when you get a chance, man, uh, you know, check him out. Uh, another one. His mama's – this one, his mama's actually followed me on Twitter because I tweeted that he put his clown suit on and he was clowning. Kid from Iowa State, name is Kalen Horton Tucker. He had 26 points, 14 rebounds, and six assists against Illinois. Man, mm. he uh, – they say he's the youngest guy in the tournament, but he looked like a grown man. He's a kid <laughs> – he's a kid, you know – Backcourt looked like he could play running back or something, linebacker. Thick. He'll dunk on you in a minute. He's another one that if you get a chance. I mean, you always provide stuff for us. But I, this is one where I'm saying to you, brother, my eyes out here. I'm like, when you get time, you get your, you get your, you're able to get a little recording going. You know, you're, you're working on the game plan. This is a young man uh, that you need to check out and watch him play. His name is Taylor Horton Tucker. Mom followed me after I made that made that quote. I don't know if you had a chance to watch him, but that's a kid you gotta be able to do uh, check out. Okay, okay. So I, yeah, I when you get moms, when you get moms following you on Twitter, that's a big get. That, that, that's a big get, man. I wasn't gonna yeah, tell him big get. press conference, but I, I didn't want to, you know, create nothing craziness. But I, yeah. I was, man. There's a couple things I want to get to before I let you go, and I really appreciate the time. I know you're trying to keep this going. You just came off a victory here, I believe, yesterday. Um, and I know yeah, you got stuff yep. here. This is this is the big holiday weekend for high school basketball. So I know you got stuff going on. A couple things I want to hit you on. Um, one of the things I'm doing out here, and I, I just interviewed uh, Dr. Uh, Philip Bowman, who played on that uh, Fighting Illini team with Kendall Gill. Um, he was he was really their their spacer, the guy who could knock down the jumpers. A good friend of mine, uh, also our sponsor here. I had him talk a little bit about that run. Um, as well as his work he did with the Fab Five when he was uh, uh, in graduate school uh, as an academic advisor. But I really love that team. I had a chance to watch him in Madison play against, uh, you know, uh, Trent Tucker, uh, Trent Jackson, and uh, 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 Rasheed Griffith, Rashad Griffith, excuse me, uh, that whole squad up in, at Madison. I had a chance to watch him in, uh, play against Michigan in uh, Glenn Rice's final game where they got blown out by Illinois. That was, that was a team that I don't think people talk a lot about. You grew up in you grew up in, in, in Illinois. You were a Chicago native before you know by heart. It spent time in Madison, but I know you're aware of this team. What was it like uh, when uh, when the Fighting Line were around? So yeah, I, I grew up on the South Side of Chicago, um, and King High School on the South Side it, it produced Rashard Griffith, um, but Marcus Liberty was one from from there that went to U UI um, and was an Illini, and he was. He was kind of also a part of that that era as well uh, when the Illini were recruiting Chicago real hard, keeping guys at home. And it was just a, like that was – Liberty was one of my favorite players. You know what I mean? And so when you had Kendall and all those guys on that team, it, it, everybody was just – it was when the Illini were hot, man. The flying Illini, everybody was out there rooting for them. You know, everybody had their Illini shirts. Um, it was just a great time. And I remember – you know, watching those teams and just watching them race up and down the court. Obviously, I'm six, seven years old at the time, but 
nonetheless, like you, Marcus Liberty's name rang out in the streets on the South side. Like, that's right. Know, so, and my name being Marcus, you know, I was like, oh yeah, you got the same name as me. So that got me to watch the dude, you know, and I've always been, you know, a basketball fan since an early age. And so I remember watching these guys play and just the way they got up and down the court, the intensity they played with on defense, you know, it just, it, it symbolized kind of like Chicago basketball, Illinois-style basketball back in the day, and that's why it resonated with everybody in that state for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of one of those moments, one of those eras uh, of, of a team that kind of gets forgotten over time um, because we see different evolutions of it, right? You know, you had the flying Illini. You know, then you had Arkansas, which kind of was similar in their style of play, getting after it, you know, the 40 minutes of hell. Yeah, guys getting up and down the court. And so you have these different iterations of uh, similar styles, like uh, like along the same genetic makeup line, right? You have yeah. different evolutionary stages of it. Um, and so, you know, the flying the line, I was kind of one of those early stages of a fast, up-tempo, uh, full-court defensive kind of style um, with long guys. And when you think about how the game is played today, that's what they were, right? They were like the switchable, positionless, Defensive team where you got a six-five point guard and Kendall Gill. You got six-seven, six-eight, six-nine across the front line, and everybody can cover everybody. Um, and 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 that and now we see that more as the desired um, style of play. But during that time, they were different. You know, they were they were the other kind of way to play. Um, and everybody was kind of playing traditionally with a power forward, a center, a point guard, a two guard, and a small forward. You know, they were kind of different in that way where. They had those positions just nominally, but when you came down to how they actually played, there was a lot of interchangeability within that team. Yeah, man. Uh, I really love that. I love watching those teams. And like I said, you know, um, you know, close with some of the players on Michigan's team, you know, obviously with PJ playing for that team, you know, being to see that up close and personal. I mean, I, I always say this is, this is the team that I think a lot of people forgot about because obviously, you know, Glenn Rice went on that run that, that it, they're still in the record books. Um, you know, Steve Fisher takes over uh, after uh, Bo Schindler tells Peter that he's going to have a Michigan man coach the Michigan team uh, after taking that 30-point loss or whatever 20-point loss in Illinois uh, on senior day. So, uh, But it's a team that we're going to try and feature on a little bit here throughout the year. They're, they're going to have a big reunion um, here in uh, February, I believe. Uh, and so we'll keep our eyes open. And, and as we close out, it's NBA season. This is where you, 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 you make a lot of your stuff. Uh, a lot of beef in the streets early on. Fights, folks getting testy. Uh, we got, I even had Bob Myers out here with uh, Dunleavy Jr. Um, uh, out here uh, in Maui. Uh, obviously, they're handling that situation with KD and Draymond. And, um, you know, they're trying to figure out where that's going uh, as well. You got LeBron experimenting in L.A. And, um, you know, with Magic going off on Luke and Luke, whatever, trying to raise. There's a whole bunch going on. Uh, you got the East, maybe power in the East taking over. What's some of your your the things that you picked up when you've had time, given you trying to win a state championship? Um, what are some things you picked up in this early part of this NBA season that's kind of intrigued you? Yeah, so even if I don't have time, I stay plugged into the NBA, right? Yeah. I, I, that 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 won't change. I will figure out through my podcast diet. I stay plugged into the league. Um, so there are a couple of things that I've been kind of very interested. Um, to start out the season, obviously the Minnesota Jimmy Butler thing has just been really intriguing just from as a coach. You know, I, I watch these situations unfold and just think about, like, if I had a situation like that, how do I handle it, right? How do I, how do I 
sustain my culture um, and, and deal with the player. Now, I can't trade a kid from my team, right? <laughs> I can't trade a high school kid. Um, but just thinking about it in that way, um, and, and Jimmy Butler uh, moving from Minnesota to Philly and how that's going to impact the East, which has been uh, bolstered by the growth of some teams at the top. So you got Toronto, which looks really good. Um, and, you know, the thing about the teams at the top of the league is you have to have wings who can guard multiple positions. You need to have a lot of them. And Toronto has that with Kawhi, Ananobi, Siakam, Powell. I mean, they just got a slew of guys at that three, two through four spot. Danny Green, who can guard multiple positions, uh, which is going to make them a team that can compete with Golden State, whether they will we'll get to that point we'll get, we'll, we'll, that'll be seen we'll, that'll play itself out over the course of the season we'll see in June um but then also you have the rise of Milwaukee who finally got uh, a coach that has put them in an effective style of play and an effective system it forced kind of it kind of forced Philly's hand to make a move and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because now the east I think you got four really strong teams with Boston uh Toronto Milwaukee and Philly. Of those teams, I still think Boston and Toronto are the cream of the crop. Um, I still feel like Milwaukee is going to be a great regular season team. I don't know if they have enough um, defensively to be able to win big in the playoffs and make it to the finals. Um, There's going to be, I I think their, their situation at the five is a little, is a little shaky. Um, Just once you get into the playoffs, uh, centers that have to drop against the pick and roll, and they've experienced this already this year when they go against teams that have guards who can hit mid-range pull-ups off the bounce or shoot threes off the bounce. The Lillards, McCullums, um, Kimball Walker lit them up at the beginning of the season. Um, those teams tend to beat the Bucks, mm-hmm. um, So it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how all this plays out um, in the East. But Philly getting Jimmy Butler, I think, is going to be – a, a very interesting pickup for them. Um, out West, I just feel like I'm going to get fatigued of the KD free agency talk if we're going to go this hard already. You know I mean, if we're going this hard on the KD free agency talk in November, I'm going to get tired of it because nothing's going to happen until July. That's so, right. like, let's, let's just, like, let this play out. Uh, the Draymond situation, Draymond being Draymond. I mean, Draymond is the type of cat when you got him on your team, He's going to piss some people off, and he's going to say something he don't need to say. But that's also why you love him. You know what I mean? It's because he's going to piss you off, and he's going to say some stuff he don't need to say, but it might need to be said. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of this particular situation. Ultimately, they're going to be fine. Um, but, I mean, they're getting to a point where this this crew, they're going to have to be creative in how they uh, create the next uh, version of a championship team out there. Um, and the other piece about all of this, that I think kind of gets swept under the rug. And, again, I think it's more because he's light-skinned. But people don't acknowledge how important Curry is to this team. That's right. Like, I just think people don't see that enough. Uh, we've seen KD play with other superstars in Oklahoma City, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that he can do – he can be great and his team can be just all right or really good. Um, when Curry's on, his team is always at the top of the league. That's right. Period. Period. When Curry doing his thing, he's never been – his team is always at the top of the league. And so sometimes we forget that, I think. And when he's out, we get reminded that 
Golden State isn't invincible, and he is a major part of what they do. Um, you know, I think there's a whole piece about people kind of doubt him because he hasn't won a finals MVP or he hasn't had, like, a playoff where he's gone nuts. Um, but I, I just think, like, they're not them if he's not there. Like, he's that important. Like, you know, it's like you can have Bill Belichick's playbook, but if you ain't got Tom Brady, you, you ain't the Patriots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it ain't finna work. And I feel like that's the thing that people don't realize about Golden State is that, like, you can run their stuff. You ain't got Steph. Even when they don't have Steph, they ain't the same. It ain't working the same. And so that's the thing that I, I think that people don't give him enough credit for. Well, hey, uh, and I want to finish a little bit on – I think you might touch a little bit on, on LeBron and uh, how that thing's working in L.A. Um, you know, do you see the LeBron, LeBron blueprint coming together or is this just going to be about, you know, you know, making the movies, winning a little bit, enough to keep people interested, and then closing the door and closing the chapter? I think this summer is going to tell the tale. Um, this season is just about him being out in L.A., you know, being able to get some projects. I think he, like, needed a year to just kind of like, let me just get into this other stuff and get some my, my, my ducks in a row. And then next year, let's talk about a championship. But this first year, I'm going to do some of this other stuff. I already got lined up. I think that's what LeBron is on this yeah. year. Let's see what these other young guys can do. I, you know, I think it's good for them to kind of just figure out if they're going to win a championship and they're going to try and go for a championship in the next two or three years, they have to figure out what they have in Ingram, what they have in Kuzma, what these young guys can do. And if they need to move them, they have to figure out if Walton can coach a championship team. They have to figure all of that out. This year is going to let them do that. Then hopefully they will have done that, evaluate it, and then they'll be able to expedite the process this summer and decide who needs to go, who needs to stay. This year is going to give them all the data that they need for the moment to make whatever decisions they, need, they feel like they need to make going forward. And so I feel like that's what's happening this year is that they're just in a data gathering state right now. Like, let's figure out what we need to know about these different guys so that we can make the most best, the best decisions possible, the most advantageous decisions over the course of this summer and put ourselves in a position to win a championship next year. And, and it wouldn't be right if I, if I did in this way, uh, because LeBron is coming home and I did get Phil T. I, I, he didn't have a tear come to his eye at all, but man, did they do my boy Ty Lue right? Should he have got had a Spolstra moment? Why did they have to treat him like Bodie after Avon went to jail? It was like he was the hey. last one on the block, man, and didn't know right. that they right. was coming. You know, Slim Charles told him the game done changed, but he kept right. on to the corner, and they came up behind him and took him out. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think the thing with, with Ty Lue, and maybe he won't. And then you might debate whether or not Bodie wanted to be take that, taken out. Maybe Bodie wanted to die on that corner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, I think Ty Lue might have been like, you know what, man? I can't do nothing with this. Go ahead, fire. <laughs> Honestly, I don't feel like they did him bogus at all. Like, they fired him early. He going to go – he going to get a studio job. He going to get to market himself through that. You know, teams will know he's out there. So if somebody gets fired in season and teams are looking for a long-term replacement in season, he's out there. He can get out there. Um, he can get a gig. He can just take some time away and regroup, get his health together, get his mental health together. I mean, he can just get himself all right and ready so that in the summer, instead of coaching that garbage team all year, <laughs> he can just kind of kick back. He's getting paid. He's still on payroll. So he's still getting a check. 
So I ain't mad. I ain't mad for Ty Lue. I ain't mad at the Cavs. I think for both of them, it was the best situation possible. I think it was actually the best situation for Ty Lue. I mean, like, his record ain't going to be – Ain't, ain't going to get jacked up because he coaching his whack team. I mean, he only took six extra losses. So, I mean, it's all good. <laughs> so, you say he was like that coach on the side, like, trying to get the, trying to get that technical so he can get sent to the locker. Like, I don't right. want like, to watch this. Just, 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 just forget it, man. Let's just cut. Just get me out of here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly, I think that's what it was more than anything. Ty Luke, I think they did it out of respect. Like, like Ty, man, it's been real. You ain't finna do nothing with these these dudes, man. Let's, let's just go ahead and let's just start moving on, man. Like, I don't want to put you through this. <laughs> I thought it was a mercy firing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just put the dog down, man. We don't want to see him suffer. <laughs> I just you know? Oh, mercy fire. Oh, that's what I'm telling y'all. Y'all welcome. For those of you who haven't experienced, this is RSG at its finest. This is RSG, brother. We want to thank you. For spending the time, yeah, I want to get you back to preparing for the season. I'll be over there to watch y'all. I, I'm putting it on my calendar between watching you and watching my niece down at Indiana when she gets back on the court. You know, I'm going to be watching a lot of women's basketball this year. So uh, I appreciate everything you're doing for, uh, you know, uh, our, our young folks uh, as, as a coach and all the things you're doing. Appreciate everything you've done to help build this RSG brand, man. And, uh, you know, hug that family for me, man. And, uh, Thank you again for being with us on, uh, on this special episode. All right. Thanks for having me, man. It's love as always. Um, keep growing it, man. And hopefully at some point I'll, get able, I'll be able to get back into it and, and get back on, on wax with you on a more regular basis, bro. Now that's what it's all about. Hey, man, that, this is uh, Marcus the Game Changer. This is RSG uh, on the road uh, from our remote studios at Aston Mahana uh, on the Bowman Medical Group. Uh, hotline. We want to thank everybody for being with us. Uh, check us out on all uh, at Real Sports Guys on all platforms uh, and uh, join the movement.